traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Tonight on the Twilight Zone podcast, my guest and I are stowaways on a mission to Mars, which means one of us might just get sucked out of an airlock. I'm hoping it's not me, but I do hope it's my guest tonight, my good friend, Zach Moore. How's it going, Zach? Well, uh, thanks, Tom, for having me. But hey, none of this is real, so nothing can hurt us, so I'm really not worried about what might happen. Exactly. That's why I said it. It's not that I actually want you to get sucked out of the airlock. That would just be <laughs> crazy. So, Zach, the last time we spoke, Twilight Zone-wise, um, it was the first episode covering this new season. The first episode we did, anyway. Mm-hmm. And that was Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. So, you don't have to go episode by episode, but how are you enjoying the season so far? Just whatever thoughts you have. You know, overall, I am really enjoying it. I, I There are some episodes I like more than others. Uh, there are some that, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't know what I think about this. But then as it ends, or if I watch it again, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So it kind of settles in for a more uh, concrete point mm-hmm. of view. Because it's such a unique experience to have a sh- show like this that's, that's brand new. Because all the other Twilight, the original yeah. Twilight Zone, that's sixty years old. So like, there's 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 books to tell you what to think. There's podcasts, you know, so they kind of help you form <laughs> your opinion, right? But with this, it's like, hey, this is yeah. fresh. It's all me and my thoughts here. Let me try to to sort this out. But on the whole, I, I really have uh, been enjoying the show. Despite you know, every now and then I have some I have some critiques. But that's what we that's what we do as podcasters, right? And maybe at the, maybe at the end when we kind of wrap up, I can kind of give you a, a a quick rank of of what I think uh, where I think they all rank for me so far. Sure, sure, good, good. Yeah, it's that's the thing that's really sticking out for me with this one: the sheer rewatchability and how much a rewatch can really impact on what you think. Mm-hmm. But also hearing someone say, "Well, actually, I think this," and taking it on board and being like, "Okay, yeah, that's cool," and mm-hmm. having that become part of what you think of the episode too, which I think is a good thing. You know, all these conversations going on, I think is. I think is really great. One thing as well that I wanted to ask you about, and it's a bit off to the side, I guess, but, well, it's front and centre in this one, the proliferation of the Whipple brand in the (laughs) Twilight Zone universe. What do you think of this? This is an interesting choice because that is a um, maligned episode (laughs) of the fifth season. It's one of those really random kind of goofy ones i mean it's got robbie the robot in it it, it has it has a lot of just kind of absurd <laughs> things about it and yet they've decided to kind of build the the universe around the whipple brand so uh, it's an interesting choice i didn't realize that at first like in the nightmare 30,000 feet that the the mp3 player is a whipple brand uh mm-hmm. the the video camcorder is a whipple brand in replay so uh, but now, yeah, it's in every episode, and like especially this episode, they're wearing shirts. That's like Whipple sponsored this this space yeah. uh, the space mission. So hey, uh, good on them for finding like a very obscure to non diehard Twilight Zone fans like ourselves reference and just running with it, right? <laughs> I think I enjoy it because I'll be honest, I can't even remember the episode. As, as listeners know, I don't watch ahead, so I can't even remember the Whipple episode. I do know that it's not exactly thought of highly, but 
It is an interesting kind of comment on our times where these various technological brands just grow and grow and they're going to grow even more, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about Bradbury, which is, you know, that name comes up a lot in this episode. There's yeah. a story, I think it's called There Will Come Soft Rains, something like that, and they um adapted it for Dimension X, the radio show, mm. and it was like this automated house. Can't really remember it, but I think there'd been a nuclear war or, or something, and there was no one in it, but this house was still kind of going through the motions of its automation. Mm. And I just kind of think with the advent of our Amazon Alexas and our Google Homes and all that business and the the advent of the smart home, we're kind of moving towards that. And I really can't see being a future where you're going buy a new house and they'll be like so do you want this to be an amazon house or a google house and you know all of the stuff in it will just be completely integrated and made by one company so whipple it's a funny name yes it's a funny name but so so was google you know but it's only because we've sort of taken it within our day-to-day lives now that we it's just like part of the vernacular so it's kind of fun i I'm looking forward to getting to that episode again and seeing exactly what it is. I, I will say the uh, my, my second favorite Twilight Zone podcast is the Twilight Pwn, uh, which I mm. found through you uh, for you recommending them. Uh, and uh, they one of their first episodes was about Brain Center Whipples because I think their first two episodes they did Robbie the Robot episodes, <laughs> and <Nice. laughs> and that became like there's a scene in there that becomes an in joke with them throughout most of their podcasts, which is very funny. So I, I know you don't kind of listen or watch the episodes before you kind of get to them. So it's going to be a while before you do, but you'll you'll know it when you get there. <laughs> so <laughs> I look forward to that. I'm a big fan of those guys. All right. Well, this is um, one of the longer Twilight Zone episodes, so I think maybe we should get into it. You ready to go? Countdown. We are family. Let's do it. Okay. So tonight's Twilight Zone is called Six Degrees of Freedom. First broadcast on the 2nd of May 2019, written by Heather Ann Campbell and Glenn Morgan and directed by Jacob Verbruggen. The crew of the Bradbury, the ship that will soon complete the first mission to Mars, are all set to launch when they receive a message that a nuclear war has begun and the launch pad and the surrounding area will soon be destroyed. When faced with the decision to stay and be destroyed or go and have a chance to live, they decide to launch, but as they make their way to Mars, the question becomes what, if anything, on this mission is real? Now, Zach, there's a few things that I want to go through on this, so let's go kind of systematically through them, I guess. But the first thing is this pre credit sequence where we meet the crew and we have our opener narration. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, it was unique because you, you kind of have... Uh, you don't understand the context at first, then of course at the end you do. So that that was interesting where they kind of set up the crew. Usually you would have uh, the narrator kind of this is Commander blah 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 and they blah blah mm-hmm. blah right. But they didn't do that. Like they they had this kind of documentary um, explaining who was who and what was what, and then Jordan Peele comes in at the end. And uh, and mm-hmm. I thought this was probably the the best uh, teaser of all the episodes so far. It really hooks you in. And it really does make you feel like it, it, an old Twilight Zone because you got astronauts, nuclear war. I'm like, okay, all right, well, <laughs> because 
uh, they've been doing that with a lot of the episodes, like things that you're familiar with, but they're new combinations of them, you know, and I thought this was yeah. a very, a very, very effective way to start an episode and, and hook you in uh, for the rest of the show. Absolutely. You know what? By the time the, the credit started on this one, I was so hooked in. Mm-hmm. I just thought this, this opening was incredible. <laughs> what a great setup. Right. You're about to launch a mission to Mars and then a nuclear missile is going to go and hit you. Obviously, you're going to have to go because if you stay, then you're dead. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to have to go. But we thought this was a round trip and it, it might just not be the case. Mm-hmm. And then the camera kind of comes out of the module where they're sat and into like the more communal area and the camera's spinning and then it settles and then through the door walks Jordan Peele to deliver his opening narration. And, you know, by this time, I'm, I'm virtually in pieces just watching this thing. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And it's only really once you know the full story that you listen to his opening narration. And if I had more time, I'm a bit under the gun this weekend, but if I had more time, I'd have probably wrote it down. But it's something along the lines of, it's something along the lines of one of humanity's greatest achievements, this ship taking them to Mars is taking them away from one of humanity's greatest follies, the fact that they've created nuclear weapons mm-hmm. and the Earth is about to be wiped out. So there's a beautiful duality going on there, which I think is very... There's a poetry to it, which I think is very sailing, I think. Yeah, I, I agree that they have that, that juxtaposition of you know, mankind's greatest destructive achievement versus its greatest you know exploration achievement and how those go hand in hand here. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions the uh, insanity being a group or an individual thing and that kind of play. It, it takes a while for that to kind of come into play, but when it does, it, it comes into play yeah. in a big way. On second watch, there's a few things that I just thought were kind of filler on the first watch, you know, conversations and so on. There's one of the characters, and I'm going to be pretty bad at remembering names because I, I generally tend to be. I think his name was Jerry, the yes. gentleman who had the beard by the end of it. And he starts talking about the great filter. Mm-hmm. Can an advanced life form make it to another planet before it destroys itself? Because most advanced life fails. Do you know, is is this based on some something... That's actually been said. I don't know. You know, I was going to ask you, Tom. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds scientific. See, it doesn't. You know what? To me, it doesn't matter because I it sounds scientific enough. I'm like, okay, this is mm. like it's called Sagan, right? This sure. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I I would buy that, right? But yes, that whole test kind of sets up uh, the greater picture when they, when they kind of wrap things together at the end. But yeah, they they plant the seeds for that early. And you don't know if it's like going to like pay off here, but it actually does literally pay off here in this episode. And there's also a detail quite early on. So they decide to launch, they're in orbit, and it's like, do we close uh, this... Um, the radiation shield. That's right, the radiation shield. Do we close it or not? And it's sort of telegraphed. We're all Twilight Zone fans. We know that sometimes things are setting up something else. You see something like this and you hear them talking about it and you think, okay, that's going to come into play later on. Mm-hmm. At this point, what did you think the significance might be? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I assume that there were other windows on the ship, but apparently this is the only one, which I thought was kind of odd. Uh, mm-hmm. because even like, if you look at like all spaceships ever, like the Apollo module, the, the, the space uh, shuttle, it's like, 
There's just more than just one window. But but hey, you have the like uh, to get all sciencey here. You have the Van Allen radiation belts between the planets and all that. If you're into like astronomy and the solar system, so I guess that makes sense. There would be okay. You could have one window. But in order to protect you from radiation, we don't have enough glass or transparent aluminum or whatever, if you want to go Star Trek with that, uh, uh-huh. to cover it up. So here's our one window, and we're covering it up. And you're like, mm, okay, I, at some point, this is going to be open. It's going to be a thing. I don't know what it's going to be. But but yeah, like you said, like you have your ears perked for things like this when you're watching the Twilight Zone. So I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to be. But I knew that like they were building something. Because they mentioned it not only in the like the the crew when they're talking about it before they leave, but the, 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 the documentary about the ships is there is one radiation shield above the captain's chair. And I'm like, all right, guys, you, you're setting up Chekhov's radiation shield to pay it off in the third act, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind about the other window thing because if the one big window they, they had needed to be covered to they stop radiation would, yeah. getting in, they all would. So mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. I was thinking, and I think some of the names used in this are from I Shot an Arrow into the Air. Mm. And my thoughts when there was this, okay, we're closing the radiation shield, the immediate thing that comes to mind is that by the end of this, they're still going to be in orbit right. or something. You know, they won't be where they think they are, which I think is pretty, we won't get to the end yet, but is nicely sort of playing with our expectations you know mm-hmm. that that would be the easy the easy twist and i think maybe they're playing on that a little bit saying playing on our memories of the original twilight zone mm-hmm. and our expectations of what that might be there's also another little detail here see this show <laughs> at the moment has got me wondering what is actually um significant and what isn't uh, and what is real tom that's the, that's the question <laughs> of the show but at one point i think it was the same character they're talking about war of the worlds mm-hmm. and he says it was like a hundred years ago so is that just an estimation oh yeah you know roughly a hundred years ago what of the worlds was broadcast in 1938 mm-hmm. so if memory serves so that would mean that this has taken place in 2038. Mm-hmm. I- I'm kind of wondering, is that relevant? Because obviously technology has advanced because they can do a mission to Mars and we can't currently do a manned mission to Mars. But if this is in 2038... It's everything in 2038. Yeah, no, I, I thought that as well because there is that connected universe that-, that hasn't quite contradicted itself yet. Like all these episodes could mm. actually still be in the same universe. Like... Just to, to, to very very quickly run through it, right? You have the comedian. He talks about you, you. You he talks about the president. That president could be Oliver. You see the magazines about the comedian and Oliver in Nightmare Three Thousand Feet. Uh, replay is kind of isolated mm-hmm. on its own, and then like Wonder Kid, that could be him rising to power. And then maybe he started a nuclear war <laughs> with North Korea, which leads us to this episode, right? So there you go. That's all the episodes. Right? Oh, and the traveler, a traveler, that that could be those aliens. Could be these aliens? Maybe you could you could mix that in there somewhere, or the, maybe that's just an isolated invasion. So I think if you really want to say these all take place in the same universe, like you could still do it at this point. Um, and plus, apparently, yeah. apparently, North Star Golden Airlines, whatever it's called, there's become such a such a cool, trendy conspiracy theory thing that they sell toys about it now because one of the astronauts has a toy for the airplane. So, so, it, but <laughs> that, and in Nightmare Three Thousand Feet, you see the advertisement for the mission to Mars. So that has to take place around the same time as this. You would you would assume because this is mm. the first time we're going to Mars. So, 
uh, we're we're in the not too distant future, apparently, in this Twilight Zone. That's that's been that's my take on it based off all those facts. Which I I kind of like. It's like this is your reality, just with a few things nudged a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, technology's maybe slightly more advanced. Uh, the law means that you can have a kid. Kids as can the become president. president yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so all, all these things, just a little outside of our reality, but yeah. not so far that it's, you know, just a completely different. So I like what they're going for here. I like I like the kind of tone that they've mm-hmm. struck. One of the things that comes up time after time when I speak to people about this Twilight Zone or I see it on the internet or what have you. Oh, I think I know what you're going to ask me now. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> is, it, is, it the, is it the language? <laughs> No. Okay, you know. I, th- I thought you were going to ask me that because not, not to de- not to derail your thought, but I was going to say it hasn't really bothered me, but mm. I have started to really notice it, to be honest. And especially uh-huh. in this episode, I'm just like, okay, we get it. This is a rated R show, if you will, in the United States. Uh, you know, I think mature, whatever you guys call it over there across the pond. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, okay, like, can we tone it down just a little bit? <laughs> you know, because I just I don't right. need to hear like. Like George Carlin, the famous comedian, like the seven words you can't say on TV. Like this is a skit he did in like the seventies or the eighties. You can say most of those now, but there's still two or three mm-hmm. we avoid. And I feel like this show goes out of its way <laughs> to say the two or three that we still avoid on normal TV. Not to get on that tangent there, okay. but I just this was the first one. It really started to be like, okay, we don't need all this. So that that's that's my take, and I will go back to my corner now. Please continue. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I, I've kind of went on the record of my thoughts on that. I don't really, it doesn't really bother me because I, I know if I was on a ship to Mars, <laughs> you know, you would probably be bleeping this thing all over the place. You know what I mean? That's a fair, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably compress all of the swear words in this episode into like two sentences of what I would be like. But um, <laughs> So I'm okay with it. But it's interesting that the other thing people tend to speak about is episode length. Now, mm, this is one okay. of the longer ones. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about how this one utilizes that runtime? And is it a problem for you anyway? You know, again, like the language, it didn't really bother me or I didn't really notice it until this episode because a lot of people are like, the comedian is too long. I was like, it's fine. You know, like I, I really didn't mm-hmm. feel the length, but this time I really did. Honestly, I felt like you could probably shave like 10 or 15 minutes off this episode and it might be more um, because it felt kind of aimless, you know, and I I guess maybe but maybe, you know, that and this is this was me trying to wrap my head around like what they were trying to do here. Like it's like, okay, you're on this you're on this Mm -hmm. mission for like, you know, 400 days to Mars or something. And so they want to show you like the mundane everyday stuff and how they people get worn Mm -hmm. down and bored. But at the same time, like, not, like I want to see seeds of things that are going to happen later in those mundane board scenes. Like, uh, as a as a television watcher, as a person who is like mm-hmm. wants to get invested in the drama or engaged in the drama and the story, I want to see stuff that kind of, ooh, that's what is that? What is that? I'm interested. Like when Jerry starts like going through the bathroom and taking notes, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know what that is yet, but now mm-hmm. I'm I'm my interest has been peaked, and that of course pays off shortly thereafter. But I mean, we we could have cut a good 10 minutes from this, in my opinion. So what, what about you, Tom? Did, did this feel long to you? or as a, as a point of comparison, I'm a big horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites is Dawn of the Dead, you know, the the original Romero version. Okay. Uh, and there's like, there's three main cuts of that movie. 
There's the Dario Argento cut, which is the small, the shortest one. Then there's George Romero's preferred cut, which is like the medium. And then there is uh, the longest cut, which is not George Romero's preferred cut. But one of the themes of that movie is that they're in this mall with seemingly everything they will ever need, but they still, you know, they're still missing so much. They're still missing the kind of what makes them people, if you like. It's not things that make us people. It's the interactions, the relationships and so on. People sometimes say that cut is too long and it's too, it's a bit dull at times. Whereas I think the audience kind of needs to feel that. Mm. And it was similar with this. I, I don't think it was too long because those quieter moments were really selling to me what is one of the big themes of this episode, that these, this is a family, you know? And I think we need to kind of see the smaller moments to to really get that and that might just be someone consoling someone I'm freaking out a bit here you know or I'm remembering this loved one that kind of thing so I'm okay with the length because I I do feel it's kind of integral to the story Mm -hmm. to really show those moments because that is one of the main points of the episode as we go on you know we have these smaller scenes we have the biggest scene with the solar flare and so on there's also little hints that something just isn't right and they are very subtle these hints like mm. a you know a, a view screen where with an impression of a kind of alien figure yeah. comes out as you're going through this do you have any inkling of what's going on yeah so that i believe that the first instance of that is is when they're about to go launch from mars when they're talking about like should we go should we not and jerry sees mm-hmm. the face and the commander's like you hesitated and he's like oh well you know but he hesitated because he saw that image and then he 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 continue he's the only one that continues to see that uh which is interesting and i'm like okay what is he going crazy is this the visual interpretation of that is someone really watching and then of course we get to like the big he's he's telling everyone that they're basically in the matrix or something you know uh, <laughs> but no that really remind and like you said playing with your twilight zone expectations you think oh this is where is everybody just extreme yeah. version of that right yeah uh because he's because it, it makes sense like everything he's saying like does kind of make sense he's like what it's 17 million to one odds that a nuclear attack would happen as we were on the launch pad i'm like that you know that's a great point mm-hmm. like it, it's kind of it's smart when they like kind of address things you're like would that really happen what's the i found that smart writing and and i was like so Jerry convinced me. I know he didn't convince anyone else, but he convinced me that they were in a test of some kind. I mean, he's right because they knew because obviously astronauts go through all these tests, right? But they know their tests, so they have a certain mm-hmm. different response. But if they go through yeah. something they don't know as a test, you get the true result. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if that's where they're gonna go, but I really like how they brought that up. Uh, now, when they open the door, and I guess you. You assume he gets burned away. They do kind of like through some editing. You don't really see what happens to him till the end. Obviously, you're like, oh well, I guess he was wrong. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, <laughs> the the uh, woman who had the divorce. I, I forget all their names. I'm sorry, but the uh, the woman astronaut who had like her marriage had broken up because she was all in for this mission, right? Mm. Um, the British one. Yes, the British. There you go. The British one. <laughs> she goes into the one with the uh, Golden Star Airlines toy. Uh, she goes into the restroom and, and tests the crystallization theory that Jerry was talking about. And she finds crystals mm-hmm. and Jerry hadn't. So that makes me think that like the aliens they were watching or whatever, right? To kind of jump ahead, right? It was like 
did they like, yeah. oh crap, we forgot the crystals. Put some in there so they don't <laughs> so they don't think that this is fake. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because they weren't there and then they were. So that that's yeah. when my interpretation of that. No, I, I thought the exact same thing, you know, because obviously they can only approximate what the reality of that would be, and there's gonna be things they miss and like, oh man, just just go and get some crystals real quick and okay. You know, so <laughs> I completely I completely go with that. But um I, I must admit throughout it, and I think it's partially because they're playing with expectations, mm-hmm. partially because usually if you're on a spaceship and it's this sort of confined area where they cut off, either someone's going to go nuts and start killing the other ones. <laughs> all right. We've all seen those movies. Yeah. Exactly. We've all seen those movies. So I really didn't know how this one was going to end up. And that I think that's quite that's quite rare for television these days i think we're a bit more savvy aren't we but uh, to to this episode's credit i really didn't have a clue how it was going to end up no no and and to your point they're like i think kind of as a side note i did feel this really felt like an original twilight zone more than others and not in the most maybe but like the fact they were in one set claustrophobic mm-hmm. like you felt the claustrophobia with them because you can't you have a very limited environment to work and they're not cutting away at all these crazy shots of this and that and mm-hmm. and we don't even see and it's part of the story right we don't see the outside of the spaceship right because they kind of want to no. keep you guessing but that is a that's what they would do in the 60s when like well we have no budget we have these two guys in a spaceship we're just going to stay in this set and it really uh-huh. it, that really helped it feel more like uh just like like a a, a phrase you had said earlier they just kept making the twilight zone for the last 60 years right this is just the next episode and this kind of slots right in there so it it helps with the but tying it back to the original and also for the story they want to tell to keep you guessing about like you know what i haven't seen the outside of the ship and there are no windows and what was that thing in the view screen yeah. and why aren't there crystals and so yeah i mean i like you i was like i don't know where they're gonna go with this but i i was very uh, eager for them to open up that radiation shield when they finally reach their destination absolutely absolutely and, and before we get to that I have to say, I mean, from my point of view now, I'm kind of like, I've really, like I said in the last episode, I've really relaxed into, is it like the original Twilight Zone or not? You know, I'm fine with what it is now. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? I I don't really need to make those comparisons anymore. I think they've done enough for me to say, cool, I'm all right with this. This is the show. Let's Mm -hmm. just go with it. But one of the big things I always said as part of the black and white debate, should it be in black and white or not? For me, it was like, that's that's not really the point of it. The point was that yeah. it, it was always a beautiful looking show, apart from those videotape ones. But um, <laughs> they should do that on this one. Do an yes. episode on videotape. Four by three SD black and white mono audio. Let's do it. Yeah. That I, it needed to be a good looking show and it's hard to stand out from the crowd these days because so many shows are good looking shows mm-hmm. but i i thought this episode is absolutely gorgeous you know and going back to the opening for a moment when they're in the, the sort of cockpit area it's a really small area and in days gone by you might have just had you know camera one there camera two there and camera three there but this camera is always moving around the angles the close-ups and it just uses this tiny little bit of space so well and then we have this amazing ship design really beautifully done i just think 
you know, Glenn Morgan said in that interview that this this is one that looks like nothing else. I think they've all looked really good, but this one is just such a, a feast for the eyes, I think. Yeah, no, the, the direction has been very dynamic on all these episodes, and, and there is a visual continuity in them as well. You know, you just, all mm-hmm. these shows kind of fit together. Obviously, there's different directors, but there is a overlining like design and approach to how you they're shooting everything and editing it all together and and that makes it feel like its own show and its own universe in of itself and and absolutely mm-hmm. like not to um not to harp too bad on like the 80s show right but uh and even the 2000s because i barely remember the 2000s at this point I, i'm more familiar with the 80s because i've been following yeah. on twilight zone aftermath but those those just look kind of like standard like you're saying like you know the camera wide shot reverse shot conversation okay back to this there's no attempt and you know broadcast tv 22 26 episodes a season budget i totally get it you know i i I get it but that that is the advantage to being on a a premiere uh uh, streaming service like this they have the time the resources the 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 attention to detail is great they're really like crafting something here and not just getting something done so uh, and I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and, and hey, we love the original show, right? And they had their constraints. Um, but it's great to see, like, you know, Twilight Zone with a budget, you know? And it's the same thing, like, original Star yeah. Trek. That's kind of my thing, too. Like, you see Star Trek with a budget. It's great. Next Generation, the movies, things like that. Things you always wanted to see on the original series of Star Trek. But they didn't quite have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. When you get to, like, the, the motion picture, you have the most beautiful version of the Enterprise you'll ever see. And that's kind of the, the same leap we've done here from the Twilight Zone, like, guys on a spaceship you know here we are and they're they're not reusing props and costumes from forbidden planet anymore tom and it's great so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're like miniature movies okay so let's kind of get more towards the end then Mm -hmm. because poor jerry he takes a gamble on his theory and seemingly gets burned up in the solar flare and then they finally make it to mars and they land on mars or they seemingly land on Mars, but we don't know what's outside those radiation shields, and and it opens up. So it ends. What are, what are you thinking at this point? Well, I was waiting to kind of pan up, and you see the Statue of Liberty kind of <laughs> on the side of the beach, and you're like, oh, no, they blew it up. <laughs> no, but well, you, you think because, hey, you know, if, if Earth was going to be destroyed by a nuclear bomb, and it's like, I don't know, a year later or something, maybe it would be a desert. I don't know. I didn't know what they were going to do at that point. I was like, are we going to pan up and see Mars? Yeah. Like, really, Mars? Are we going to pan up and see, like... They're in the desert somewhere, and and you see them like, oh my god, like on their faces, and then you see it's a destroyed Earth or something. I didn't know, like even up until they pan all the way up, I still wasn't sure, mm-hmm. right? And even then, they keep panning back, and it's a whole other kind of turn in the story too. But I was happy they actually went to Mars. Yeah. Did they? That's actually something I want to ask you about because I'm still not entirely sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but I I'm, I'm glad they actually went to Mars, and it's interesting that they. On some level, they were hoping that they were wrong because then Jerry wouldn't, from their point of view, be dead. Mm. Because, like, okay, but if this is a simulation, then he didn't die for nothing. Because they say that, oh, Jerry died for nothing. You know, it's kind of, it's sad, but they are happy they achieved their mission. Uh And then then we keep panning back and we have more reveals. But what what were your thoughts here, Tom? Well, (laughs) again, it took a second watch. Not not that I didn't understand it on the first watch, but I, I really wasn't sure what was kind of a test what was real and so on i did feel that they did go to mars but my theory is that when they're in the shuttle at the beginning and jerry sees on the screen there's a certain kind of pixelation they do that kind of shows Mm -hmm. you that something's going on they're either being watched or something 
and he sees it on the screen. Now, on a first watch, you don't really take any notice of it yeah. because it's just a computer screen. And there's so much chaos going on at that point. You think it's part of the chaos. Yeah, exactly. So my own theory, and it could be wrong, is that at that point, the aliens have taken control of the ship, probably to the people on the ground, everything seems fine, you know, because they've probably taken that into account too and they're projecting some sort of simulation to them. But on the ship itself, you know, all all this stuff about the nuclear bombs and stuff, that's just the aliens sort of setting that up. So they do leave. I, I don't actually believe that the Earth was destroyed. Okay, so this is... I had not considered this layer. This is interesting. Please continue... (laughs) And I might be completely wrong, and, you know, on a third watch, I might change that because, <laughs> you know, like I said, if anything, the rewatchability on the, on this show is, is huge and the way it makes you reconsider things. But, yeah, so otherwise, why would that be there, you know? It is a bit of a where-is-everybody scenario in that it is a test, but they are going to Mars. <laughs> that's That's the way I kind of picture it. And they're they're blocking the communications between the ship and Earth, is what you're saying. Yeah. So this is okay. like they do say that Earth is on the brink. Mm-hmm. So we've seen, and this is quite an old sci-fi trope. You know the the aliens. You've seen it in Star Trek with people like Q. Yeah, exactly. Saying, yeah, that's what I was thinking. We're, yeah. We're gonna judge humanity and stuff like that. So this. You know, I, I like how they've used this quite traditional sci-fi trope in this story in a different way. So as far as I'm concerned, it is a kind of simulation to them in terms of how they can communicate with the outside world and the stuff that's coming into them. But they do go to Mars and it is a way of the aliens testing. Let's see what they're made of. Will they get there, this, this sort of handful of people have they got what it takes to sort of break the great filter? I mean, that, that's my take on it. But as always, I'm oh. going to be interested to see what other people think on it. <laughs> that's, it's, that's a very, and, and side note, I mean, we were on Nightmare at 30,000 feet and you had a, we kind of, we had another theory about like how Joe was like a, like a, uh, spoilers, mm. uh, fight club kind of situation. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was, you know, I hadn't considered that, but honestly, I think that makes the most sense. And that episode, and, and it's interesting that like we have these episodes now, and this is great. Like like I I enjoy this where it's like you can really kind of dissect it, and there's uh-huh. really no. I mean every every answer, not every answer, but like every theory is like <laughs> okay, I could see that. You know, I mean there are some that aren't gonna fly, but that I had not considered that at all. Like I had been like okay when I first watched, it, I was like all right, they went to Mars, and these mm. aliens watched them the whole time, and the Earth really did get destroyed. You know, right. Uh, and then I was like, okay, because I, I kind of revisited it a little bit and thought about it some more. I'm like, all right, so they 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 went to Mars, but maybe it was all in like this aliens like kind of matrix program simulation thing because you see like you see all the clips of all the of the episodes like of the epi- uh-huh. of the episode like all on this in this in this void of like the alien view screens and stuff. You're like, hmm, okay. Uh, but then you see, and then it also explained though. Why you sit? You keep seeing these random NASA clips throughout the entire episode. I was like, "This is a weird choice. Mm. Why are they showing us these? Like, that's cool. I love NASA. I find that interesting. Great historical archive footage there. But it felt kind of out of place. But then recontextualized at the end, 
where you see uh-huh. the aliens have just been monitoring space travel and humanity's progress and all that. Like, oh, okay, this is them. I mean, it's a, it's an alien documentary apparently <laughs> that we've been watching <laughs> from the beginning. The, that's the real to it because you think it's like some historical archive thing, like the year three thousand. But no, it's these aliens yeah. that are that are kind of narrating and explaining. So that's a very interesting idea, Tom. I'll have to maybe I'll, I'll have to rewatch it again now with that in mind uh, because I think. I kind of I try to use Occam's razor with this. Like, what is the most simple solution? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, your theories about this and Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet do add some layers to it, but they're not raw. I mean, like they could totally fit, and they they kind of make things other things fit better. So uh, that's interesting. I had not considered that at all. That like they were li- they were like the aliens like were lying to Earth. They were lying to the spaceship. They kind of fabricated this nuclear war point of view for them for the mm. astronauts just to kind of push them to the true brink you know it's like hey you've lost everything are you still gonna go yeah. through with this but uh that that's interesting so i'll, I'll have to rewatch it with that point of view but uh yeah that, that's cool i'm so it's so cool that we can sit here and talk about these options because like as savvy tv viewers at this point like there's nothing more frustrating like i'm like okay i know what's gonna happen let's get to it yep yeah. there it happened i knew it <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what's been going on with these Twilight Zones. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it quite a lot. And, and like I said, you know, if all of these are linked in some way and maybe they're just linked and that's all it's going to be, or maybe it is built something and it'll prove or disprove all of this. I don't know. Hmm. I'm happy to kind of wait it out and, and see what happens. Well, what, was there a 1015 in this? I didn't, I was looking out for it. I didn't see it. I'm sure maybe some code someone writes at some point, someone's notes. I mean, it's been in every episode <laughs> up to this point. I didn't know if you saw it. I didn't. I didn't. Hmm. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> it, it's probably there somehow. It's probably there somehow. And they didn't have any uh, actual Twilight Zone thing, like props or approximations, like the gremlin or the dummy or the talking tina or anything but they did have the uh the whipple everywhere you know uh-huh. and then also the uh the gold star north star i keep forgetting what the name but the plane from nightmare at thirty thousand feet so i think that those continue that trend of here remember this from another episode of the twilight zone so yeah, i'm glad they yeah. incorporated those too I, I do wonder whether Tina, the talking computer, was... Uh, Talky Tina. Yes, yeah. yes, I thought that too. <laughs> that was very good. And I think the, some of the names at least came from I shot an arrow into the air. Um, mm. To me, when you know the gremlin turned up on the Christmas tree and the traveler, it's almost like the Twilight Zone magic is starting to take effect and there's all these little clues here and there and it's not... Mm-hmm. Yes, they are Easter eggs for us to look at, but it's almost like, okay, something's going on and the Twilight Zone closes in and mm. people going through their story in the show don't notice it, but it, it's a cue for us to be like, okay, here we go. The Twilight Zone is now in, in full effect. Yeah, that, that's totally the way to do it. They're, do, they're being really smart about it, in my opinion. Like they, they did a whole episode about like, look, it's the Mystic Seer from Nick of Time. Let's focus on it. I'm like, no, no, no. It's there mm-hmm. and you move on. You know, and I didn't even realize that was the same. I don't know if it was the exact same. Supposed to be the exact same diner from Nick and Time and Replay, yeah. but it's like at least there's a chain of like the Busy Bee <laughs> diner, and they were in that one. So little things like that uh-huh. build the universe, like the Whipple. And I, I am all that is the kind of fan service that I like. I don't like here. Look at this. Remember this? Rah! In your face? No, I just like it's subtle mm-hmm. to the background. It helps builds the universe, and they're doing an A plus job of that, in my opinion. Let's let's sum it up then. What are your thoughts overall on this one, Zach? And you you did want to mention where it kind of sits in your overall estimation. So go for it, man. 
Yeah, you know, one one final point about the I, I I thought it was an interesting side note uh, to have like two of the astronauts kind of uh, hook up, so to speak, and then kind of get in trouble mm-hmm. for it uh, because not only is it, like quote unquote unprofessional, but also they make a great point. Like, all right, look, you get pregnant, your metabolism changes. We got an extra body to feed. We have calculations yeah. down to like the ounce about our supplies. Like, you cannot be doing this. And I was like, that is a great reason for it. Usually, it's just like. We can't have officers participating in this activity, right? They had a real logical, scientific, like, survival mm-hmm. reason for them to cut that out. So I thought that was an interesting point. And if you're on, like, you know, if you're on a mission for 400 days and you think the world's over, I'm like, that's that's what's going to happen. This is people, right? So anyway, I just <laughs> wanted to make a note of that. I thought that was a good, clever point. Um, I, so, yeah, I really did like this one. I, I, I might have sounded more negative. I always do, I think, on podcasts when I'm talking about things <laughs> I love because I just, I'm kind of a nitpicker. I like out for these things. But, no, I really did enjoy this one. It hooked me in. Um, the space, you know, I love sci-fi, Star Trek, all that stuff. Uh, having having a really a space travel uh, episode of the New Twilight Zone is great. I mean, it was almost a requirement. It was so so much a staple of the old show. So I'm glad we got our, our mm-hmm. space adventure here. So yeah, I would uh, I, I would rank it probably. Um, I think replay. For, okay, here's here's my ranking so far of the six. Right. So replay, okay. the comedian, six degrees of survival. Right. That's the name of this one. <laughs> I kept thinking six degrees of separation by six degrees of freedom. (laughs) Freedom, excuse. Okay, six degrees of freedom. Then a traveler, nightmare at thirty thousand feet, and then Wonder Kid would be last. And uh, Uh this one was much like watching this one was much like Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet, where it's like, okay, I'm enjoying it. I'm not sure where it's going. Oh, I'm not sure where it went. Let me talk about it with Tom, and we'll figure it out together. <laughs> because the ending is, it's one of those, like, it, it is kind of like a, I think this one is most similar to Nightmare 3000, but the ending, which just, like, really kind of makes you, like, reassess the whole episode and what, what had been going on. And it it feels out of place, maybe, but then you kind of think about it some more, and you kind of make your, you connect your own dots, and it kind of, it does all kind of fall together one way or the other. So that, I, I would equate this one yeah. most like to Nightmare 3000 feet. Okay, cool. I'm going to, I guess, skirt around the answer for a moment because I have been <laughs> thinking about it quite a bit. We're in the age of, of Black Mirror, mm. that other anthology show, which I really like. I'm a big fan of Black Mirror, you know, but much as Black Mirror is edgy, I also feel that it has it easy in a way because Black Mirror is generally talking about technology, how technology is affecting our lives, taking that to the extreme and so on. Which is great, and there's some amazing stories on that show. But it's I feel that they've almost got it easy because, you know, you say to someone who uses their iPhone too much, you use your iPhone too much, and they're probably going to go, you know what, you're probably right, <laughs> and then just carry on yeah. using their iPhone. So when when you're <laughs> using the sort of technological world in that way, even if you're pinpointing something that is is part of someone's life, because it's technology, they're probably going to be like, yeah, you know, fine. Or like, oh, I disagree, but I don't really care because we're only talking about my computer toaster or whatever. So <laughs> I think it kind of has it easy, whereas the Twilight Zone is trying to find that balance of tackling real issues and real human things what's going on in the world today and so on and i think so far it has been don't get me wrong i've loved it so far i've really enjoyed the show but it it has been sort of walking through the experiences that we're having today you know um the kind of political aspect of it and 
when you do that, people are going to get more offended than if you say you use your iPhone too much. So mm. I think this this is the show that is always going to find it a bit trickier. I personally like the balance that they found. Even if a show puts on something that I disagree with, as long as it's not like, hey, Nazis are great, you know, if it puts that on, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pretty strongly disagree with that, you know? Yeah. But if it's like, hey, you know that politician you like? Well, how about looking at it this way? Even if I disagree with the show, I don't really care, you know what I mean? It do- yeah. It just, no, I agree, yeah. It just doesn't bother me in the slightest. But this Twilight Zone seems to have ruffled some feathers. Uh, one of my last guests, Paul, who you know is a great Twilight Zone commentator, said he wants to see the more hopeful side of the Twilight Zone, and I think this is that episode. You know, this is where they've mm. shown that aspect of the show that they were put to the test, and they had their ups and downs, they had their disagreements, they each had moments where they thought they were going to crack up, but it was the family aspect that kept them together. Maybe they just cast whoever was best for the roles, or maybe it was the point of it to show a diverse cast because they're they're representing humanity. And the message of the show is, you know, these aliens said we underestimated them. When they get it together, they can do great things. And I think that's a great message. It's a hopeful message, and it's shown a different aspect of this new Twilight Zone, which I, I really appreciate. And much as I love the sort of dark aspects of humanity episodes, I do hope we, we see a few more like this as well as we go forward. That That is a beautiful sentiment and statement, Tom, although I will say you're coming from the perspective that the Earth did not get destroyed <laughs> from your theory. Yeah, if it did get destroyed, forget all that. <laughs> um, but that, no, no, that is a good point because you're right. Uh, thinking about it, all the episodes up to this point, even Replay, which kind of had an uplifting ending, kind of had that that twinge of the knife at the end, right? With that mm. unsettle it, like this is the real world, watch out, uh, which was a powerful ending and I wouldn't change it for the world. But, you know, all of these have had a very kind of dark ending, either for a protagonist or this or that. And and this, you know, this episode was more about it, the ensemble, right? The family, as they say, which by the way, I had never heard that version of family. I, I expected them to play, we are family. That's what I expected when they say, uh-huh. Tina play family. And they play, I'm like, what is this song? So I don't know. <laughs> That's just, uh, but th- this was a good, as you said, like you had, the, you had, they had their ups and downs, you know, like any family does. There were a couple of moments you're like, because they yeah. set up like uh, Tanaka, I remember her name. Ray Tanaka, she was the one that was like, I don't want to go. I, she's questioning Commander the whole time, right? I thought they were going to come to like have some kind of like mutiny or something. There's that one scene with the British uh, astronaut mm-hmm. and her. Like she gives her some like, well, you think this will work for your plan? And you know, and you're like, what is that going to be? But it was, it was, it was a nice like subversion of expectation where it was like, oh no, it's a musical instrument for your birthday party. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. good, <laughs> excellent. So, uh, but this was, I, you know, this was really the first one you had a big cast and and kind of took you through it. Usually the other ones were one or two characters kind of going through things. So mm-hmm. so uh, I like that, that this one uh, kind of showed that as well. And, and uh, you know, the, fa- the family aspect, overcoming the adversity, you're right, that, that is uplifting. And, and we have a few episodes left, and I, and, and I agree with you. I, I do hope we, we have some more happy endings because there were, there were Twilight Zone episodes with happy endings. Let's not all forget. I know we all remember the dark twists and the cosmic mm-hmm. justice and things like that, but there were, some, like, there were some Night of the Meeks out there and episodes like that. 
that. So so let's get some more of those in here. I agree. Um, now, as far as rankings go, I'm going to save that for now because... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> because one, one, because it's difficult and, and I've enjoyed the show. But what I will say is this is my favorite episode so far. I thought... Okay. Not to say that the others haven't been great because I've really loved some of them. Obviously, there's going to be some you like more than others. But I think this is the one for me that when it came along and I thought, this is our first real landmark episode. You know, this is the one that you can hold up and say, this is how great this show is. And again, that sounds like I'm damning the others. I'm not, I'm not. But in whatever series you have, you know, whether it's City on the Edge of Forever in Star Trek or, you know, Best of Both Worlds in Star Trek Next Generation, there's always going to be those ones that you hold up and say, this is what this show can do. And I, and I think for me, this is this episode. So I, w- I just love this one. I really do. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, you, mit- you mentioned you had to rewatch it. I rewatched it. And, I, you know, I will say, like, I, usually I'm like, if you have to rewatch something or appreciate it, that's just... I, I actually disagree because I wanted to rewatch these. You know, when you, when you, when you mm. watch something and you don't like it and you're like, I didn't understand this and I don't really care to, so whatever. But these, I'm like, you know what? This is interesting. I want to wrap my head around it more. I want to watch it again. I think that's the difference between yeah. like a good rewatch versus like a, a required to understand rewatch. Those are two different categories. So no, and, and I agree with you, Tom, that this is great stuff. And, and it's great that we enjoy rewatching them mm-hmm. too, because there's only going to be 10 and then we're going to have to wait a whole another year. <laughs> so we're going to be watching, rewatching these a lot before season two, which I'm very excited it got renewed for season two so bring on more twilight zone absolutely okay well let's leave it there zach it's always a pleasure man and and thanks for jumping on board again so um if people want to check you out i think they probably know by now but go at it again where can they find your stuff well, you know, you say people use their iPhone way too much. I podcast way too much because <laughs> uh, I'm on a few podcasts. But you can you can find me personally at, at Moron Zach on Twitter. That's M O O R E O N Z S E H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold on a Smallville. We talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S. I'm a co-host of Standard Orbit on the Trek FM podcasting network. We talk about all things Captain Kirk, the Enterprise, and the original series and movies. You can find us on Twitter at Trek FM and I have a new podcast with fellow frequent guests of the Twilight Zone podcast, Brandon Shamatella, uh, called Franchise Fatigue. We talk about franchises. We do that bi-weekly, so twice a month we uh, talk about sequels, remakes, you know, when franchises get fatigued. It's a lot of fun uh, to revisit some of our favorite and least favorite franchises in, in, mm. in, the, in the movies. And you can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth. Great. I've been really digging that show, really enjoying Franchise Fatigue. It's a... Uh... Thanks, Tom. Yeah, really enjoyable listening. Okay, so that is our episode for today. I think people know the new routine by now, but the next episode is dropping on Thursday the 9th. If you want to get on the listener feedback show, then please have your MP3 clips or emails in by Sunday the 12th. Um, This next week or so is a bit busy for me, so I I will stress if you send a clip in, I will definitely use it if you send an email in. I don't want to stop people sending emails in because there's always some great stuff on there. But unfortunately, time constraints might mean that I'm not able to use all or some of them. But please, if you want to put those thoughts down, please do. And if if I can get them in, I will. And you can send them to TZ2019 at the Twilight Zone podcast. So that is another week of New Twilight Zone. Thank you for listening, and we will speak to you next time. Bye for now.